This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. On today's episode of Vocal Perspective, we are so excited to have Brittany Russell. She is the director of music of Gestalt out of the University of Florida and a longtime acapella member in that she was part of TAG in high school. That's the acapella group, also out of Florida. So I wanted to say hello, Brittany. Welcome. Hi, Rachel and Amanda. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you We're for excited to me. have you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yay. I wanted to start off. I always, I guess I like to start off with sort of your background and sort of if you can talk a little bit about how you found acapella and then how you got involved in tag. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and my parents moved to Florida when I was a sophomore in high school. And so when I moved, I went to Cypress Lake Center for the Arts, where there's an acapella group named Tag. So I got my start in acapella my junior year of high school. I joined Tag. I had never heard of acapella before. Actually, I can't really remember if Pitch Perfect came before that because I definitely saw that movie, but I never knew like acapella was a real thing until I saw Tag. And so I got my start my junior year in Tag, um, was in Tag junior and senior year. We went to ICHSA finals my junior year. We went to NAC and it was just, it was one of the most exciting things. I sang Burn It Down. That was kind of our anthem for a hot second. That was uh, one of the biggest songs that I sang in Tag. And I was on two of their albums. And then um, my senior year, I decided to go to the University of Florida, um, actually on a full ride oboe scholarship. (laughs) (laughs) So I played the oboe as well. So I was going there and I was talking to Gary Stroh and he, I was like, what are the best acapella groups at Florida? He was like, well, you know, University of Florida, like there's Voice Box at UCF and uh, All Night Yahtzee, you know, at in Tallahassee. He's like, there's uh, no Southern accent at University of Florida. They're probably the premier group. So you can check out your options. And I was like looking at them at Florida and I was like, you know, like maybe Sadox. But then we got an email from Gestalt and they were like, we are a new group coming to Florida and we are recruiting. Do you have anybody going to the University of Florida? And of course, Gary talked me up and was like, I have the best soloist for NAC and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, hype me up, hype me up. And he sent it. And then Katie Varan from Gestalt, she reached out to me and was recruiting and I just fell in love with Gestalt based on that, just how they got to know me before I even auditioned. Katie was like, I've seen you, I followed you from TAG, I I love you, I think you're great, and that really uh, meant a lot to me. And so I auditioned for Gestalt, and here I am now. Oh my gosh, there's so much in there that I want to talk about, but... No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I talked a lot. <laughs> Who gets introduced to acapella with one of the best high school programs in the country, if not the world, which is amazing. I got and so then, lucky. Yeah, and then to hear that Gestalt was actually recruiting high school students that are coming into college. So I'd like to get into both of that, but let's start with Tag. Can you tell us a little bit about the process? Because you guys produce some of the best albums out there, and then you have been to ICHSA Finals, which you were a part of that. What goes on in a tag rehearsal? Okay, so in a tag rehearsal, I remember it was once a week 
every Monday after school for only two hours. Ooh, wow, that's not a lot for our scholastic <gasps> group. I know, and it was only once a week. And looking back, I am shocked because it's very different now in collegiate acapella. I'm like, how did we get stuff done in high school? I just think <laughs> we had, well, first of all, we just had an amazing director, Gary Stroh, he incredible. But also everybody in the group, tag is huge. Like when I was in it, 22 members, 21, and everybody there was committed to making incredible music. And I think that's why tag has been so successful is I think when once you go in, like, you know, like this is the real deal. We're here to make it happen we're not we're here to have fun but we're here to make music so that was a really good introduction to acapella and just music in general just having that kind of mindset but i remember for each competition we would have at least one like eight hour boot camp on a saturday <laughs> and those were Woo! Those were tough. Nuts, I'm sure. <laughs> Run it over and over again with choreo, and I would just be like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> well, with so little to, I mean, relatively little together time, was there expectation that you practiced or prepared outside of rehearsal? Absolutely. I mean, it was definitely one of those things where it's like, you need to learn your part. I do know that we, we did spend a lot of, well, it was a lot more of, okay, this is what part you're singing. Cause I know for me, I sang from soprano one to alto one. Like we were kind of all over the place at times. And he would say, take 10 minutes, go learn your part and then come back. Mm. And because also at Cypress Lake, the center, we really took sight reading and we practiced that a lot just in our everyday like choir classes. So it was, not even just as much as you need to know your part, but like you need to be able to learn your part good in like 10 minutes and then come back. And I think it helped that there were multiple people on a part as well, which is different from Gestalt, which I can get into. But so when I would sing, you know, alto, I had two other people helping me kind of like to rely on. So yeah, we would learn it super quick, come back and then obviously keep learning it at home and that was an expectation like it needs to be near to perfect as much as possible by next rehearsal yeah and so did that help you in moving on to collegiate acapella did, did that inform some of the ways that you expect gestalt to sort of function absolutely gestalt is really different when it comes to learning music because our music we're a small group usually i think the most we've had is 11 people and how our music is is that it has everybody's names on it so we don't go by soprano one soprano two it has britney john mccalla on our music and so it's almost a little bit more of there's like a little bit more pressure when it comes to like collegiate acapella and especially with your name on a part because it's written for you. So mm. there's almost like that thing where it's like, why don't you know your part when it has, like, it has your name on it. Like it represents who you are. Like my parts are all like belting because that's what I do best. That's my comfort zone. So it's like, why can't you do that? <laughs> Like, if I didn't come in knowing my part, there's no excuse, in a way. Whereas, I think with, in high school, and also, like, the soprano, alto part, written parts, it was a little easier because I could lean on the person standing next to me and be like, 
do, 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 you know? Um, so it was definitely, it was definitely just a lot more like, you don't know your part, leave rehearsal, don't waste our times, come back, know your part. I like, I love that. I think that I just, I love that aspect and I'm glad that's the way it was in Gestalt. And I, and I definitely think tag prepared me for that. And that's amazing to hear. And I know that Cypress Lake is a performing arts school. However, you know, I think back to my high school and it took us a whole semester to learn a song. Like we had two concerts, one in the fall, one in the spring. And yeah, it would take that long. So to have that kind of, I wouldn't call it stress, but expectations placed on high school students is really an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're not just a member of Gestalt, you're also the director of music. And I wonder if you can talk about sort of how you came to be in that role and how you like to fill that role as, you know, to play that role, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, Gestalt was a new group when I joined. So I was in a way a founding voice of the group. There were the founding members that um, broke off of a group and then really developed Gestalt before I even got in. But in a way, I was a founding voice. So I've been there since day one, which really helped me understand what we wanted to do. The mission, the like everything, I could understand it because I saw it happen. I was there when we had our first ever competition, our first ever performance. I was just a part of that. And um, I think that really, that really helped me in my drive as director of music. I also am a music major. So I think that... <laughs> I think the background, but also I've been doing uh, acapella for so long and been a part of music, uh, just doing my own music for a long time. So I think that influenced me and helped me when I became director of music my junior year. So as director of music, it has been, wow, it's been crazy. It's been, woo, there's been some crazy things that have gone on. It's very different as just a member and then going into the directorate and you don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes (laughs) between sending emails to arrangers and just like big name people in acapella i'm like hi my name's Brittany. i love you um can you arrange something for us don't worry they're excited to hear from you don't worry about that (laughs) no uh, but we feel that way too we get opportunities to feel that way as well reaching out to people you know, who are your idols, people who are doing things that are so cool and having an opportunity to connect with them. It's it's such an awesome opportunity. It is. And I mean, it's just, I don't know. I've loved every minute of it. I've loved the connections I've made. But so Ian was our first director of music in Gestalt and he did such an amazing job and he really I mean so jam I don't know if you've seen our so jam videos but yes we have we've seen them live a lot oh of yeah yeah I'm sure y'all have. oh my gosh I mean I think and I always think back to so jam and that's one of my favorite performances that I've done with Gestalt. And I, I think about all the music that we did. And I'm like, I have such big shoes to fill. I want to keep the um, the sound of Gestalt and the weird of Gestalt, but not make it, you know, forced. Because I'm, in real life, I'm very bubbly. And I like, my music style is very different than maybe like the vision that you might think of Gestalt. And actually, everybody's that way. It's just kind of like the brand. Um, when we come together, we're very professional. So you spoke about Gestalt's brand and anyone that's seen you knows that you all have a very distinct brand. How 
And I know you're a little bit nervous of keeping that up, but how do you all work on that as a group? Like what kind of discussions go on behind the scenes to get to what people see on stage at a place like SoJam? We're all about professionalism. We always think about what can we do that's going to aid to the sound and the music and the performance aspect and not take away. We try to do things that are outside the box and shock people, but in a way that isn't um, just one big fluke. We try to do it tastefully. And when it comes to social media, I mean, we don't overpost. It's very, if we have something to say, we say it. If we don't, we're, we're silent for months. Like, it's just one of those <laughs> things where we celebrate each other. We celebrate each other's birthdays, but we don't post it out on our social media. We don't meet the members. We try and keep it as the whole. Um, kind of like our saying and like uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and we really try and focus on that in our branding when we're at competitions we want it to be very we're a unit we move as a unit and we look good as a unit we're always in our black and green when we're out because we want people to know they're with gestalt you know like we want to be seen as an like a whole entity. And I think we've done a good job about keeping that up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have to say, you guys do do a very good job of that. Because while I do know a couple of the members of Gestalt, it's it's not like some of the other collegiate groups where they're like a couple of standouts. And once they're gone, like the group completely changes. I see that you all have stayed not the same, but it's the same impression year after year. And I think that's important. And not that no one should come out like a superstar of any of these groups. That's wonderful when they do. But it is also very refreshing to see a group of Scholastic, which is supposed to turn over all the time, really have that same consistent feeling. And even though great singers have graduated, it's not that you don't miss them, but the group continues. And it's very like, I don't miss them as much as I would when a group is just like, here, here's this amazing person, and we're going to put them in your face all the time, and then they're gone. And then they're gone. And it's like, what right. do we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wonder, you know, you had talked a little bit before about having like slightly different personal musical tastes than what Gestalt itself might present. And I wonder, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the the opportunities and the challenges that presents for you? Yeah, absolutely. So in Gestalt, we have very strict rules. And as the director of music, I have final say on who sings a solo. I have final say of what songs we do. We don't vote songs in. I say, Here's a song that I chose, blah, 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 is soloing. We do this. And that's how it was. It's how it's always been. And it's always been, it's always been okay because our arrangements, everybody shows off, even if there's a soloist, you know, like nobody's fighting, like, dang, I wanted that solo. And I think, I think it's been great so far. It's the way we run it is um, amazing, but I definitely am a lot more collaborative with my directorate members. I send them a song. What do we think? Does anybody have any suggestions? Let me know. Let me listen because some of this music I wouldn't be able to find on my own. So I really, and I think I came to the conclusion that I was trying so hard to come up with this avant-garde, trying to find avant-garde music to do. When I think back and Gestalt, Beyond the Archetype, we did Katy Perry. We did a song from Hamilton. It's not about the songs that make us who we are. It's what we do with the songs and the sound that we make with it. And once I realized that as a director of music, I was like, I can put my own self into this. And then Blackout was born out of that. Once I realized I'm going to go with my gut, I'm going to 
go with music that I listen to and we're gonna make it gestalt and blackout just won two caras last night I'm so excited <laughs> that always feels really good those awards are important yeah and blackout's probably the biggest thing that I've done as director of music just music wise I think it's made the most impact during my time and I don't know it's just it's incredible to see that come to life because I'm like you know this was so something that was very me, but we got to turn it into the group and the group stood behind it and just everybody uh, sang the crap out of it. And it was just so good. Once I realized that, like I said, that it's us that makes the songs, not the songs that make us, everything just kind of fell more into place for me as the director of music. That is such a big lesson. I feel like that's not something that every group has the opportunity to have a realization about. Yeah. And I think that's that's really important. I wonder, you know, how do you, how would you advise other groups how to do something similar to take music and make it something that represents them? I would say this is difficult because so many people have different styles. I would say take a song that you have, you're passionate about, that you have a connection with, and make it your own. I, I'm going to speak for myself. I want to hear something different. I don't want to hear the same rendition of Lost in Japan from every group. Make it a twist. Do something that nobody's heard. Arrange something differently. I think there's so much room to play around. We have so much freedom when it comes to what we do. And I think there's still so much that hasn't been tapped into, which is right. so exciting. And I think I think everybody can push the boundaries, no matter if you're doing purely pop songs, if you are trying to be weird, different. I think in every aspect of acapella, there's something that can be done that nobody's heard before. And I just think that's kind of the name of the game is of just changing it up, making it yourself and putting 100% you into the track because nobody else has your voice. So uh, like, let it be heard. And oh, my other tip, I think, <laughs> and this comes with, I think a lot of content, and this is more on the recording side, but I would love to see acapella getting a little less overproduced. And the fact of, I would love to hear more individuals in the background more. And that's me personally, but I think I think that's something that I've learned from Gestalt and having our intertwining arrangements. Something that I love is that I love to hear, oh my gosh, like Emma's, I can hear Emma here like really loud and Ian singing this part. I like that. And I would love to see more of that in the future. And I think that kind of makes things different. But those are just my personal preferences. I think people have their style and if they're 100% passionate and bring in emotion, then you'll move people no matter what you're doing. Yeah. So Speaking of that, so you all make this decision in-house, but then you also use arrangers that are not part of your group, producers, editors, you know, engineers that are not part of your group. How do you convey what you want to these people that aren't part of the group? Oh, okay. First of all, huge props to arrangers. The producers like, oh my gosh, they are incredible. The ones that, okay, I'm going to give some shout outs. Matt Goldstein. Oh, Love him. He's incredible. Plaid. Angela. I mean, I'm just so thankful for everything they've done. So one way that 
I can really express. Also, Rob Dietz, shout out. You can take this out, but uh, I just got to give them props. No, that people need to hear that. People need to hear who's out there doing things that groups like you really need and want. I, I'm going to say... I think the first step of success is getting a good arrangement. I mean, I think having a good arrangement is such a solid foundation in acapella. And yeah, I am really thankful for our arrangers. But so what I do is I send a detailed, I mean, detailed list of the songs, the set. And I really got this from our old music director, the past music director, Ian, he did such a good job. I mean, he would send buzzwords of what the mood was supposed to be, lyrics to hone in on. I want this to start with in naming names of people that he wanted to be doing things. And I mean, these documents take such a long time. They're pages long, but it's exciting because I, it's true. Like I have such a vision of what I want and I'm like, I know exactly what I hear. And so I basically type it out. Like I, this past semester, I had this set in mind. And I told him, I was like, I want the beginning to kind of start out like a say law, like what we had on Beyond the Archetype. And I want it to be this person, this person, this person. And it's just like, there's no, and I'm like, I want you to have your own creative direction on this part. But here, like, let's do this. Let's stick with it. There was one time I was arranging with Rob Dietz and I sent him something and I said, I don't really know how I want this transition to go, but I want it to connect and I want it to be big. And then a day later, I was like thinking about it. I was like, no, I know what I want. I know, I know exactly what I hear. And I, t- <laughs> and I responded and I said, Rob, I, I, I found out. I know what we need to do. <laughs> and they're so receptive, like receptive of it. And they always churn it out the way that I hear and better than what I imagined. That's a sign of a good arranger. And I know as an arranger, I love when I get that kind of input from a group, especially if it's not my group. When it's my group, I know our sound. I know what we want. It's my style because I'm the primary arranger for the group. But when I get, even if I know the group, like knowing what their thought process is, I love because it's not, and I know some arrangers think that's taking away some of their creativity, but I think having this collaboration actually allows you to both stretch both the group and the arranger. And I, I just love that. Yeah. And we also send videos of each of us singing individually. So they know how our voice sounds so they don't have to imagine it. And yeah, like you said, it is very collaborative. And I'm very, I have been very like, I really hear this happening. Like, if you don't think so, like we can work around it. Like, I think this past time I... I was suggesting something and we're like, oh, I don't know if that's actually possible to do, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's really helpful to just be on the same page. And I mean, yeah, I, th- I trust them with everything. There are times that I'm like, take the song, do what you will. Like, I trust you wholeheartedly. <laughs> like, please do your own thing, which was actually more of kind of a blackout. I was like, here's a song, Matt, go like, just do your thing. You're a genius, do it. So yeah, it's usually on like the whole sets where I have more of like a, I like, I feel like I can see it on the stage. I'm like, I need to hear this at this point. <laughs> so yeah, it's really exciting getting to collaborate with 
all of these incredible musicians. Totally. Do you have a vision for Gestalt for the future? What do you want to see the group doing and how would you like to see them grow and change? So something that we've always said is that we evolve and that's kind of been a word for us is because I feel like we should always be trying to do something different. We shouldn't get comfortable doing the same thing over and over again. I want to see something like I want to hear something that's completely wild and and different than what Gestalt has done. I just want to see Gestalt continue to be Gestalt. I want them to stay the same, but also keep growing and changing. Like, it's kind of hard to explain because I want them to stay Gestalt. I would, if anything, I want Gestalt to just maintain Gestalt, but also be different. And kind of like what I was mentioning, Ian, I think Ian has done completely different music than what I came in and I brought to the table. Like, even our ICCA set last, was it last year? I think it might have been last year. I mean, it was just completely different sets, but at the end of the day, it was still Gestalt. And I just want to see Gestalt continue doing that. With, like, a new director of music comes a new sounds, but stays the same image and the same same amount of passion and hard work that goes into it. I want to be able to continue hearing that. So you mentioned you guys won Akara for this year. Well, two. And then you've also done well in competition. But I also get the sense that competition doesn't mean as much to you all as a group than the typical ICCA competitor, let's say. How do you all continue to create things at a high level and yet not have that competition aspect be the driving motivation for what you do? Yeah, so this is this is a really good question because we actually call ourselves a competitive acapella group. Our foundation was all, we're a competition group and we feel like competition is what drives us to make the art that we do. I think from our past experiences, since year one, we've learned that competition does just that. It pushes us to make the best art that we can. But at the end of the day, the art that we have chose to make, people either love it or they hate it. I think for a semester, we were almost making that who we were. We were constantly asking ourselves, why? Why are we getting these comments? Why, like on our judge sheets, why are we just feeling like we have given a hundred percent? We practice four times a week, 14 hours, and we give it a hundred million percent. And like, it's not even about like, why are we getting, you know, this place? It's not about that, but it's almost like, why aren't people getting it? Like just understanding it. And I think Finally, um, and I think every group grows, goes through that. And oh, I, of course. that is healthy. I think that's what competition is. I think sometimes in the acapella community, we make it, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the music we make. But I think we should allow our competitors to be a little upset. Like, oh man, we got last place, but we worked really hard. Like, be upset about, like, you know, be upset. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a competition, you know? Like, you aren't happy when you don't win. Like, that's just life. And I think being able to feel that for us and being able to question that and being able to say, you know, this is competition. And, you know, at the end of the day, we wanted to be here. But let's go back to the drawing board and figure out how we can make it still competition 
competition based, but be able to feel all of our emotions, but not make it who we are, like not make it our identity. And that was a lot of blackout, the meaning behind it of like, you can't turn out a light shining from the inside. Like you can't, you can't tell us who we are any, we, we aren't allowing your comments to make us feel who we are. We're going to be gestalt point blank period. And yeah, that's a tricky question. And I'm trying to watch my words and be able to put it into words. But it, I think it's because I'm thinking about the journey for the past four years of Gestalt. And I've seen the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows. I've been in the fourth hour of boot camp every Saturday and been like, holy crap, I hope we do good at this competition. And I just watched my team work so hard. And it wasn't just coming into rehearsal passion. It was I'm going to give up my Saturdays where I could be attending, watching the football game. I'm going to work it. And the next day, come to a boot camp. And it was yeah. just, I think watching that is what, um, like just the background of, we know it wasn't just rehearsals. It wasn't just having to come in 100% for every rehearsal, knowing your part. It was labor to, <laughs> to afford what we, like, what we wanted to do. Because to be, yeah. you know, to do the things we want to do, it costs money. Money that we can't always just dish out ourselves. So, so I think that also played a huge role in just competitions and deciding, you know, we gotta, we gotta make this about ourselves because we work too hard to not. Like, we got to make this about our art, you know, so. Well, I think that's a great place to end because I think that's a really good, really good advice in this very competition-centric environment. But, Britt, thank you so much for joining us today and good luck. I know your season this year has ended, but... I uh, know! Good luck to Gestalt in the 2021 season where we hope we're all back to some semblance of normal. Yeah, I think big things are going to happen next year. I'm excited, but also I was just an honor to talk with y'all and thank you for your time and for just listening to everything I had to say. Thank y'all so much. Well, hey, Rachel, that was a lovely interview with Brittany. Yeah. She brought up a topic that I think we can elaborate on a little bit more in our in our little duo segment here at the end of the show. Yeah. And uh, Gestalt has been known for being a little bit controversial. And we touched on it a little bit in Brittany's interview. Um, but for yeah. those of you who don't know, they made a video and smashed their ICCA trophy. And it, it sparked a lot of discussion in the community and a lot of people that sided with Gestalt and a lot of people that sided with ICCA and just thought everything was wrong or everything was great or it needed to happen or it didn't need to happen. And I want to talk about the value of controversy in acapella or just in general um, in the world. Um, in the world. There's so much just... controversy in the world. <laughs> but just in general life, like, I think we do shy away from controversy. And as we talked about before this segment, neither of us feels super comfortable about giving a controversial opinion, although we have this show that's totally about our opinions and the women that we value. But no irony there. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a scary thing to decide to be something super controversial. And from my point of view, I have been in enough leadership positions in the acapella community that sometimes I am afraid to say things that I really think because if I offend somebody, then it, you know, it's a scary thing to think about. Yeah. So I often keep my controversial opinions to myself or within a very small circle of people. Um, yeah. But sometimes I wonder if maybe I should be speaking out more. Maybe I should voice my opinions more, whether people like them or not. I think 
I, I feel very mixed about this because so it's sort of pertinent to this particular sort of show and the parameters around we've which we've set it. I feel like as somebody who identifies as female, I feel like having a really strong opinion is kind of not not appreciated, yeah. not <laughs> not really wanted or desired. And there's so, all or, kinds of negative terms we can be called for having an opinion, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. And I think that there have been ways that I personally have found way I have found to have strong opinions that I feel are true to myself in terms of voicing that opinion, um, mm-hmm. but also feel air quotes that nobody can see on the radio safe to to explore or to state out loud. And I I think that if you feel strongly about something, that you should find a way to say it, whether it's the way I would say it. Or not. That's not my truth. That's your truth. And I think that if you have a strong feeling, then then you, that is what free speech is, that you have mm-hmm. every right to try and make a change that you think is important to make. Right. I think maybe if we all did it more often, it would be easier to have more civil discussions around controversy. I think because so few people are willing to speak out and make a statement that it actually people think they immediately go into fight or flight mode where they're like, I'm just staying out of it. Or they get really angry and sometimes say things that they regret rather than, okay, this person made a statement. I don't agree with it. And here's why. Yeah, I would love to see the acapella community get there. I would love to see, you know, general population get there where someone can say something that is their truth that might not be everybody else's truth and people can have a civil discussion about it. Yeah, I think I think one thing that you touched on uh, something that particularly spoke to me, which is that people are in some ways automatically defensive and it is not necessarily that person who is providing the commentary's goal or intention to, to slam, for lack of a better word, to slam you. It could be a bigger, broader, more sort of institutional kind of concept that they're trying to buck against. I think listening, listening is a skill and and hearing what other people are trying to say outside of your role in that thing is, right. is a is a challenge we all have and something that I think would be good for us as humans to sort of explore and try and figure out a way to do. Yeah, I mean, and now because people are so on the defensive and so ready to attack when they hear somebody say or do something that they don't agree with, we've now seen it go a step further on social media when people post or say something controversial and then they're like, if you disagree with me, don't respond, just unfriend me now. And I hate seeing posts like that because share an opinion, but make it a conversation. If you want to have a controversial opinion, sometimes it will change my opinion of you depending on like, the morality standpoint. But most of the time, I want to have a conversation that challenges the way that I think. And I might walk away thinking having the same opinion that I did when I came in. That's totally fair. But I also maybe can start to see your point of view a little bit more, or you can see mine. And I wish we could do more of that. Totally agree. And then you have the step further where everyone's like, well, I'm just going to unfriend you anyway, because you don't want to hear what I have to say. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what a vicious cycle we've gotten ourselves into. (laughs) It's really true. I think that, I mean, sort of going far afield of the original discussion that that (laughs) social, (laughs) social media doesn't help us in this vein. It's too easy to close the voices or shut off the voices that don't sound like ours. 
Right. And I don't think that that's how I personally don't think that that's how you learn and grow as a person is by just hearing voices that sound like yours. I think that you need to hear people who disagree with you, maybe in really deep and fundamental ways, so that you can question and examine why you feel certain ways and maybe grow and change in those feelings. Yeah. And you know, as an art community, as an art form, art controversy and conflict spur art. Some of the best art we've gotten, some of the best music we've had have come out of controversial situations and and conflict. So I think maybe being more open to those conversations is a way for us to also grow creatively and artistically. I totally agree. So that was a thank you, Amanda, for that really awesome discussion about controversy and sort of exploring that a little bit further. Thank you, especially to Brittany, our guest for this week. And we'll be back next week with Amanda Rader. We'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. 